Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Hi there, bed crimers. Hope you're all doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Do me a favor. If you find you enjoyed this content or learned something, smash that like button and consider subscribing. Now let's dig in. When Luis Rivera convinced Sigfredo Garcia to abandon the hit on Danny Markel, on the first trip to Tallahassee, Florida, Rivera thought the whole thing was over. But he soon got another call from Garcia. Garcia said they had to drive back to Tallahassee and get the job done. And once they did, they would make a lot of cash. $35,000 for Rivera, more than that for Garcia, and even more than that for the middle person, Katie McBanawa, who hooked Charlie Adelson up with Garcia and Rivera. This time, Rivera rents the car. It's a Prius with tinted windows, and it's painted silver pine mica. It has one mismatched mirror and a tow hook at the front. The two men drive to Tallahassee again. Along the route, the car gets photographed going through a toll booth. On the freeway, Garcia, who doesn't sound like the brightest bulb in the bunch, starts fiddling around with a gun as he sits in the passenger seat. Bang! It goes off by accident. Miraculously, Garcia didn't hit anyone, but he did put a big old hole in the gas line. Listen to what Luis Rivera told the investigators about this ridiculous incident during his chit-chat with them behind bars. I was just laughing because he's so stupid on it. He just recorded like, oh man, I don't know. I said, we don't got no gas, man, we don't got no gas. He told me like, oh, she is a lion. I said, you shot the lion? Are you serious? So we pushed the car outside the road. They had to push the rented Prius to the side of the road, hitch a ride to an auto parts store, buy a new hose, and then Garcia crawled under the Prius and he fixed the line. These two hoodlums came across a little bit like Dumb and Dumber. It's a bit of a wonder that they pulled the crime off and then they weren't caught for two more years. But I'm getting a little ahead of the story. So the gas line gets fixed and the two guys make it to Tallahassee. The next morning, they're parked on Trescott Drive in front of Danny Markell's house. When Markell exits the home with his two young sons, Garcia and Rivera follow him to the daycare where he drops off the boys. They drive around the block as Dan takes his sons inside. Next, Garcia and Rivera follow Markell to his gym, and they wait about 45 minutes to an hour for him to come out. When he does, they follow Markel as he drives home. When Danny pulls in his driveway, he opens his garage door, and Rivera drives right up behind him. Garcia gets out, walks up to Dan Markel as Danny is talking on his cell phone. Garcia aims straight at Markel, injuring him twice. Garcia then gets back in the Prius, and he and Rivera leave. Rivera later tells the authorities 
that he and Garcia never talked about this incident again. Now, this is Rivera's side of the story. He later tells investigators that Garcia committed this crime because his on-again, off-again girlfriend and the mother of his two kids, Katie McBanawa, wanted him to. Per Garcia, the job needed to be done because a lady wants her kids back. Per Rivera, Katie said to Garcia, if you want me back, you gotta go do this shit. Rivera said they did the crime all because of Katie. So now three people have been implicated in the crime against Dan Markell, Sigfredo Garcia, Luis Rivera, and Katie McBanawa. Three people who never met Danny Markell. Three people who really have no personal reason for wanting a brilliant law professor dead. Once the authorities track down the Prius and also phone records for people who were in the area of Dan Markell's house and the gym where he worked out on the day that he died, they were able to come up with the names Zigfredo Garcia, Luis Rivera, and then finally Catherine McBanawa. Luis Rivera was offered a deal for pleading guilty. He did that. And so seven years were added to his existing 12-year sentence for another crime. In June of 2016, Garcia was arrested as he exited his Lexus at an Exxon gas station. This occurred almost two years after Dan Markell's death. Katie McBanawa was arrested in October of 2016 in Davie, Florida, after a traffic stop near a very busy shopping center. Sigfredo Garcia and Catherine McBanawa pleaded not guilty and had their trial combined. That trial took place in 2019. Garcia was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. As for Katie McBanawa, a mistrial was declared, so she had a second trial. And after trial number two, she was found guilty and in May of 2022, she was sentenced to life in prison plus two consecutive 30-year sentences. Now, it's important to note that Katie was originally offered immunity if she would talk and give up the people who committed the crime. She didn't take the deal. She refused the deal. Had she taken that deal she would not be spending the rest of her life behind bars. She would later explain this move to the authorities by saying that had she told the truth, she would have had to implicate the father of her two children, Sigfredo Garcia. So now her and Garcia's children have both of their parents behind bars for life. And Katie, prior to all this, had never been in trouble with the law. So now the investigators had the two people who carried out the crime and the person who directed them to do the crime and who handed them an envelope with the cash in it from the mystery person or persons who wanted Dan Markell dead. Back in 2016, the then state attorney, Willie Meggs, declined charging Katie McBanawa's ex-boyfriend, Charlie Adelson. The investigators knew that McBanawa had been the conduit between Charlie Adelson 
and Garcia and Rivera. Now they needed to get the necessary evidence to be able to prove that in court, to prove that Charlie Adelson was the person who asked for the hit on Dan Markell and who paid for it. It would take six more years before Charlie Adelson was finally arrested for his role in Dan Markell's death. That arrest came on April 21st of 2022. Note that one of the people who had suggested early on that Charlie Adelson might be responsible for Danny Markell's death was Jeffrey Lacoste. Now, Lacoste was Wendy Adelson's ex-boyfriend, and when he was interviewed by the cops back in 2014, the year of the crime, he told them that they should look into Wendy Adelson's brother, Charlie. Lacoste told the police, quote, Wendy told me, that Charlie had looked into having Danny killed in the summer of 2013. She meant it. Dead serious. He said it would cost about $15,000, end quote. And Wendy also had somewhat implicated Charlie early on when she told the cops about Charlie's joke, saying that it was cheaper to buy her a television than to hire hitmen. So the name Charlie Adelson and the word hitman were associated with each other early on in the investigation, basically from day one of the investigation. And supposedly, investigators were probing the Adelson family, meaning parents, Harvey and Donna, and two of their three grown children, Charlie and Wendy, from the very beginning. But it wasn't until April of 2016 that the authorities staked out Donna Adelson as part of an undercover operation. During the sting, an undercover FBI agent wearing a recording device approached Donna in a street, claiming to be the brother of Luis Rivera and demanding $5,000. Donna said she didn't know what he was talking about. The undercover FBI agent then handed her a press release about her former son-in-law's murder with a phone number written on it. This was the incident referred to during Charlie Adelson's trial as the bump. Donna, clearly disturbed by this upsetting interaction, immediately called her son Charlie. Now, she doesn't directly describe what happened. Instead, she sort of beats around the bush. Charlie asks her, does it involve me? or other people? Wendy replies, well, probably both of us. You probably have a general idea what I'm talking about, so let's just find some time to talk to each other, end quote. Well, now, Charlie's very upset, so he calls Katie McBanawa. Again, this is in April of 2016. That's two years post Dan Markell's death. No one's been arrested yet. It'll be six more months before Katie does get arrested. The investigators secretly record Charlie calling Katie. In the call, Charlie demands that Katie find out who it is, as in who approached his mother Donna, and who asked for $5,000, and Charlie wants Katie to tell them to stop playing their games. Now, although the cops found the conversation suspicious, they noted that it was not a confession by Charlie Adelson. As the investigators dug in deeper, 
They discovered Katie McManawa was collecting regular paychecks from the Adelson's dental practice, and these checks were all signed by Donna Adelson. This is likely one of the reasons that Donna Adelson was recently arrested as she tried to flee to Vietnam and charged for her alleged role in Danny Markell's death. So the investigators see all these checks going to Katie McBanawa, and yet no one has seen Katie doing any work at the dental practice. So all this is going down, and the Adelsons are trying to live their lives as usual. And yet some people notice that Charlie Adelson was pretty stressed out right after the bump. After the bump, Katie and Charlie meet at a restaurant called Dolce Vida. So this is in 2016. Their conversation is once again secretly recorded by the FBI. But the recording is hard to understand. It's not until six years later, in 2022, right after Katie McBanawa was found guilty by a jury, that the 2016 recording from Dolce Vida was finally clear enough to be understood the recording had been enhanced. In the recording, Charlie Adelson is heard saying, quote, If you're going to charge me, charge me. They didn't mention my name, which makes me think these people only know part of the story, or they think they know part of the story. If they had any evidence, we would have already gone to the airport, end quote. One has to assume that what Charlie meant by that was if he thought the cops were on to him, then he would have long ago gotten on an airplane and disappeared to some faraway land where the cops could never reach him. The recording, combined with other evidence, was finally enough to get Charlie Adelson indicted for his role in Dan Markell's death. Once arrested, Charlie promptly pleaded not guilty. When Charlie's criminal trial began in November of 2023, prosecutors brought Luis Rivera to the stand. They also had Katie McBanawa testify as a prosecution witness. This was the first time McBanawa testified under oath that Charlie Adelson orchestrated the plot against Dan Markell. It blows my mind that Katie kept her mouth shut about Charlie for all those years when she was behind bars. Remember, she was arrested in October of 2016. Katie said that if she told the truth about Charlie, then she'd have to implicate the father of her children, Sigfredo Garcia. This is all the more astonishing if we factor in Charlie Adelson breaking up with Katie right after Dan Markell's death and basically gaslighting her. You'd think she would have wanted to inflict some pain on Charlie for what looked like him using her to find thugs to commit the crime and take the rap for it. Katie McBanawa clearly is not an upstanding person, but she does appear to have a strong sense of loyalty to the people she loves, namely Siegfredo Garcia. And then not only did Charlie Adelson dump her, after she arranged for Dan Markell's death, he also tried to pin the entire crime on her and Garcia and Rivera. He did this by claiming Katie and her friends did in Dan Markell and then tried to extort him, Charlie, for the crime. Clearly, 
Charlie Adelson lacks the loyalty that Katie McBanawa has. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, smash that like button and I'll see you next time.